Welcome back to Julian Jones Was Live in the 90s. We are speaking with investigative journalist Mr Glenn Williams. Uh, he's an Australian investigative award-winning journalist. And we were talking about uh, the sightings of UFOs at the Westall High School and the Grange in Clayton South, 6th of April 1966. Now three UFOs are over the kids' heads. One lands in the Grange, some go in and grab their teacher and the headmaster. They all meet back at the grounds and discuss what they see. So over to you, Mr. Ben Williams. Yes, but one of, one of the students actually, uh, and I wish I could recall her name, but one of the students, she saw it land on the actual playground. Yes. And described it. And she has never, ever deviated from what she saw that day. And two of her friends backed her up and they saw the thing take off and then at great speed just disappear into the heavens. Now, you tell the rest of the story. Go on. It might have been um, one of the key witnesses, which was Terry Peck. That's right. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful Australian girl. Just so fantastic, so fun to work with, so real life, so matter of fact. And she dead set said she saw it and she saw one of the other girls run towards a UFO that was landing amongst the pine trees in a park or in a in a um, forested area. I think she came back out and uh, out of that forest and fainted in front of some of the school kids. And yeah, and I remember um, Terry saying that she ran towards the craft and that's when she saw this girl pass out. Um, yeah, and the scary thing is too, there's another level to this story. That that little girl that passed out, yeah. she was carted off to hospital. Yes. And the next day, her best friend, who had been to her house several times, went to visit her. Yes. And then... The, the, the woman, uh, an English speaking woman, yeah, that's how she described her, answered the door and said, Oh no, she doesn't live here. And so that adds another mystery to the whole, whole story. I mean, why would someone who has lived there all their lives suddenly have some English woman, English speaking woman, comma, answering um, the door, answering the door and saying, Oh no, no. She doesn't. I don't know her. She doesn't live here. I mean, what was that about? Yeah, cover up. So there was a lot of talk about um, officials talking to these children and teachers and telling them and convincing them that this did not happen. It, well, UFOs first don't of all, exist. The, the the main eyewitness was punished for what she saw. She was put on detention. Yeah, and then within minutes of of um. So seeing what she saw, a military guy turned up and said, you're not to talk about this and you, you haven't seen anything. Yeah. Now, this, these are girls, but they're not children. They were pre-pubescent. They were 12 years old. They are children, but they're 12 years old, yeah. right? Yeah. They were you're, teenagers. You're never, they weren't five. You're, you're, yeah. Your cognizance is quite clear, and mm. they have never, ever deviated from the story. So there was obviously... Either it was a military operation about something that none of us know about, yeah. or it was something from out of space. Yeah. Now, the, the term UFO doesn't necessarily mean that it's from out of space. That's right. But, um, 
But the way she described it and the way they described it was always the same. And I know it sounds 1950s cliched space saucer. That's what they saw. Yeah. But why did the military turn up suddenly? And also, why would she punish the school and told not to ever talk of it again? Yeah. That's Max straight away of there's something going on that we don't know about. That's right. And it's either them testing new military um, flying objects or, yeah, or it's a UFO and they know about it and they don't want to freak us out. Totally. So it's all of the above. Mm. But what, what I love about those four, however many witnesses there were, yeah. is the consistency of the story. They have not changed it. They have not embellished it. They only told us what they saw, and yeah. to me that 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 says credibility. Because if if you're a storyteller or you're wanting attention, mm. you'll up the ante every time, and you will make shit up that actually didn't happen. Yeah. These girls stuck to their guns, and that it, it, it remains one of Australia's greatest greatest untold stories and greatest mysteries. Well, and it's actually, amongst ufologists, it's one of the most famous worldwide stories. Yeah, well, I Googled after you told me to, to, to do so. Yeah. I, you know, I, I remember talking to those girls now, but I didn't at first. I remember, but, and then I thought, oh, yes. Yep. I remember that talking and feeling so privileged to hear them give a first count story to me about something that you just can't quite get your head around. I and privilege is the word, really. I mean, and not being able to get your head around the story is a great phrase. But what a privilege to walk through the entire moment with these people yes. standing next to us and escorting us to every single area there were witnesses including down into the forest where the craft had landed they walked us down there we had a full tour there's so many people that would die to have that tour and we were blessed this is the beauty of working for the lovely magazines that you and i work for we have these I, tremendous impactful experiences honestly, you know who who wakes up in the morning and thinks Oh, I'm off to Melbourne to talk to some UFO yeah. uh, first encounter people. Yeah. I mean, I remember Margaret Fulton telling me when I first joined Woman's Day, Yeah. she said when I first joined the magazine, I was told, join Woman's Day and see the world. Well, that magazine opened me up to such an incredible world that I would never, ever have seen. So I feel very, very privileged. Oh, mate, for somebody, as, as I said, I live in three worlds, like real world. <laughs> I actually live in four worlds. Real world, media, UFOs, spirituality. You know, they're, they're things that I experience regularly. And I couldn't believe how the magazine world insynced all of those lives in one job. Because it, yeah, yes, it did. It did. Because you 
investigative journalists are some of my now most favourite people on this planet. The, the way you, you have so many facts from so many stories, both good and bad, that you seem to have this really great vision of how to walk your day or what could happen or what might not happen or I don't know, you guys are just magic, you're amazing and you've ch- you impact so many people's lives. This is the thing that when I see that something like Facebook has ruined the magazine world, I go, what? You look at an article on Facebook and there's so many spelling mistakes and you go and see an article on Woman's Day and they've actually sent people like yourself there to collaborate a story in real life, true time, spent a lot of money and effort on doing so. And then you get to read the story with no spelling mistakes. So you actually get a chance to learn how to read and write by looking at the story because you're confident enough that that journalist and that that editor has the final edit is usually 99.9% spell checked perfectly. Oh, uh, look, I, honestly, I had the most beautiful sub-editors on Women's Day and I'm still best friends with all of them. And right. I thank my lucky stars for Cheryl Giles, who's my chief sub, and Mandy, the deputy chief sub, and the whole the whole sub-editor crew were amazing. I was very blessed at the time. Wow. But also to be trusted, to be sent to these places, to tell another person's story and someone entrusted me with that I mean it it, it still boggles my mind you know that I was allowed to do the things that I was allowed to do Mm. oh look and recently I binge watched um Paper Giants The Birth of Cleo Uh, and the um and what was the other one Paper Giants Magazine Wars I mean to see I'm I've been working for those magazines since 1992, but Gina, the photographer we were talking about early in our show, introduced me, reintroduced me in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think it was. Yeah, early 2000s. And to walk in on that real life set with all of you was just so, I can't even explain, it was just life-changing it had such an impact well can i just say that my life changed in 1980 and tell me if i'm off, off topic here oh. but i want to talk about isa buttrose because um please miss buttrose changed my entire life yeah i remember i was a work experience kid at the woman's weekly the australian woman's weekly and back then it was still a weekly yeah and there was a set lunch break and all everyone went out and, and the, the, the girls at the coffee desk said, oh, look, Glenn, do you mind? We go out to lunch now. If you stay here, mind the desk and just, you know, if anyone buzzes, just go and uh, attend to it. So I did. <laughs> Next thing, Ica's buzz lit up and I, I totally freaked out. I mean, I was, you know, she was at the height of her powers. Yeah. Her, her personal assistant, Ainsley, said, no, go in, Glenn, go in. So I went into Miss Buttrose's office and she said, oh, hello. Stopped her meeting and said, oh, hello, here's a new face. I said, oh, hello, my name's Glenn. I'm from Manly Boys High School. I'm on work experience. I was so nervous. And she, said, and she said, do you want to be a journalist? I said, oh, 
more than anything in the world. She said, good answer. I'll talk to you later. <sighs> Meanwhile, could you, could you please get Mr. Packer and I a cup of tea? And then I realized, I mean, I didn't know. I was so young. I was 15. Yeah. Um, and it was Mr. Packer. And so I had to go and make this cup of tea from Ivor and Mr. Packer. Anyway, I did all that and I walked back in very nervously. I was going to say, were you shaking? Oh, of course I was, but yeah. I, I was determined not to spill either tea or mm. Mr. Packard, for that matter. Mm. Anyway, after her meeting with, with Mr. Packer, Miss Buttrose buzzed again and she said, I'll see Glenn now. And she came and, oh, it was just heaven. She sat down with me and told me, I was not to go to university. I was to go straight to a newspaper, get a cadetship, and I followed every instruction. And at the same time, I just started with a dear friend of mine, the school newspaper, and I would send the school newspaper to Miss Buttrose, and she would critique it get out. and give me notes and give me advice, and oh. it was just. Beautiful. I mean, she was a real, a true mentor for me. Mm. Anyway, the, the amazing thing was, I went to the News Limited and became a cadet at the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. And the moment that I became a cadet, I became the editor in chief of the Daily and Sunday Telegraph. So here she was, now my boss. <laughs> of and, course. Uh, so that's that's a bit of a background story for you. Oh, mate! Look, that's the birth of. Your journalistic days, I mean, and what an iconic, incredibly powerful, but you wouldn't know it, woman. You know, she doesn't she doesn't throw her weight around. Look, I used to have to go every night. I was on the midnight dawn shift and I would have to take the proofs of the next day's paper around to her Paddington, Ruby Paddington Terrace house wow. and wait for her to approve it and... I, I've never stopped calling her Miss Buttrose because that was the, the respect that she commanded. Yeah. And so she's, everyone says I to her. I can't quite feel comfortable doing that. It's Miss Buttrose to me. Yeah, good on but you. She, she, she changed my life and she didn't pull any strings for me. I got that cadetship of my own merit, but I was absolutely stoked when she turned up and became my editor-in-chief. Wow. And she remembered and I've got all the letters that she used to send to me. And she used to send me, which is correcting our newspaper. Mm. Took the time to do that and, and encourage a kid to follow and pursue a career with passion. That's Miss Buttrose. Wow. I mean, and what a woman. We know. Oh. And, you know, 80, 80 and still heading the ABC. It's oh, amazing. I know. And, and thank God for us that she's doing that. With the ABC, I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, I just, oh, it's incredible what she's done because yeah. she doesn't back down, and she's very fair in her judgments. But also, too, the fact that she was was gracious enough to look after a, a kid doing work experience. I mean, most kids are left to do nothing when they're on work experience. She oh, made yeah. sure that I was working, going on jobs, and then she followed up right through my high school time, you know. I, I, I just can't say enough about the lady. Yeah, no, good on you. I mean, look, I have the same fond feelings about many of you that work in that 
um, work in the editorial world. And uh, it was like I found my home, you know, working with you guys. And I'm Melbourne-based, you're Sydney-based. I would often get flown up or flown around Australia with you guys and occasionally flown up to Sydney to do a shoot because you had your own artists and stylists in Sydney because that's where you're based. Now, this is, for me, probably the highlight of all the gigs that you and I did together, that UFO story at Westall. And then we get this, I get this phone call from you saying, Jules, I'm going to do a story. I'm going to Lindy Chamberlain's house and I'm going to interview about 25 people that were around the campsite of the date that Azaria Chamberlain went missing. Do you want to come and do hair and makeup for us? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, Lindy is, to me, such a survivor. Well, how many, such a how survivor. many people, how many women have Meryl Streep portray you in a motion picture, first of all, even oh. before we begin the whole story about Lindy? So mm-hmm. that says it all in itself. Doesn't it? Like, how many how many real-life characters is, has she portrayed in film? Maybe two or three? Three that yeah. I can think yeah. of? Real life. Mm. But, you know, the fact that Meryl chose Lindy yeah. says a lot about Lindy, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it does. I mean, you, the world was attacking Lindy. You think of family violence, this is like the whole world attacking you, calling you all sorts of names. Yeah, um, and and not only that, you've, just you've lost had your child, child eaten. Yeah, taken away from you and suddenly yeah. you are you're the murderer of, of that child. Yeah. And then and, and the fact that Australia and it was portrayed very well in the movie. Yeah. Everyone had an opinion in every lounge room across the whole country. Oh, and the main the main phrase was, thanks to the media, was, oh, that bitch did it. Yeah. They didn't even know the woman. Um, they haven't stood in front of Lindy and looked into her eyes, into her soul, and had a conversation and felt her energy and listened to those surrounding Lindy in her current life. And in the past well, life. We're, we're jumping ahead, but yeah. that that group that we gathered together in Melbourne, yeah. that was after you and I had gone to Uluru with Lindy, and we'll talk about that, but to gather everyone that was at the campsite that day. Yeah. And hear their stories yeah. firsthand. Yeah. What a privilege, first of all, but how gracious were they? Very. But it just cemented. Why was this not? conveyed in the media from the start yes because they were all there they were all willing to talk yeah. and yet no one no the media didn't want to know about that they they wanted to know about the so-called forensic expert joyce cool who found fetal blood in the car that yep. turned out to be rust inhibitor and yet she was held up as a hero and sent lindy chamberlain to jail yeah. for something now imagine being a Look, I'm, I will never, you know, I can't fathom this for a second, but imagine being a mother, losing a child. First of all, that is just, you can't even grasp that. That's but right. then suddenly to be hauled before the so-called legal system and told that you're a murderer of that child. Yep. You know, and be judged every second. Mm. The fact that she wore 
a different outfit into the court every day. That's because she has a sense of style and she made all her own clothes. So she had a plethora of clothes to wear into the court every day. But oh no, oh that that bitch, look at her spending all that money on, on clothes. Well, she made every bloody dress in the first place. Wow. You know? Yep. She was a seamstress. Amazing. But what, 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 okay, I'm talking over you, I'll, I'll shut up. No, go for gold. Please. No, no, I just wanted to say the fact that Lindy maintained a sense of humour mm. is probably the key to her survival because if you didn't have a sense of humour, she would have gone under straight away, honestly, because what was being levelled at her, and it was a plethora, beyond a plethora, of abuse. Yeah. It came and hatred. And the fact that she had to leave her two sons and her husband at the time yeah. and go into jail for something that she just didn't do. Uh, yeah, the, the mind boggles. It really does. I was quite young when it happened. I'm probably seven or something like that. And I just remember immediately understanding the dog world growing up with dogs, and even though I was still very, very young, I mean, I've seen dogs bite, snatch, attack, you know, snakes and cattle and sheep and all sorts of things. So it didn't sound at all unusual to me, especially being a dingo, the most native dog in the world, pretty much. Well, that, that was the thing. What began as just a simple... <laughs> Very, very sad tragedy, you know, a, a dingo taking a child from a tent yep. turned into this incredible mm. murder mystery and then everyone was, the media particularly, were determined that someone had to be blamed yeah. and sadly it was Lindy and the whole country went along with it. Well, and they did. The, the majority of the country, I'm, I should say. Yeah, I would agree. And we allowed, you know, we read the papers. I remember the Sun, you know, referring to Joy Cool as this forensic expert who had discovered fetal blood. Well, as he found out later, it was bloody rust inhibitor, and she was having an affair with the chief detective at the time. So there was a lot of corruption involved as well. Wow. And I'm yeah, I, 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 yeah, and, and yes. They were quite happy because while they made themselves look big, more than happy to send an innocent woman to prison. Unbelievable. Yeah. It really is. And yep. it happened in our country and we should hang our heads in shame. Yes. I agree. And I think what stood out for me probably the most during the in you interviewing friends and family and witnesses and the people that were at the campsite on the day, when I heard a younger girl say, oh, I was a teenager and a dingo actually tried to bite me or take me before. That's right. Um, Absolutely. Why did we, why did that not make headlines? No, it, did, it didn't, it didn't sell papers. They didn't want to know that. They had an agenda. Unfortunately, they did. And it can't be denied. And I, I defy any journalist at that time reporting to say that they did not have an agenda and it was to get her insane absolutely insane 
Yeah, because they, that's how cold it was, too. I mean, mm. they didn't take into account that here, thankfully, Lindy mm. is so strong. Yeah. More than strong. Herself, because a normal person would not have dealt with the, the, the insane injustice and pressure that she was subjected to. Yeah. And then thrown in jail where she, yeah. where she became top dog. Ah, uh, yeah. They, and that says it all as well. Doesn't it? But can I just go back to when you and I and David Hahn and um, David Hahn were privileged enough to go back to the anniversary yes. of the Zari's disappearance. And we're there with Lindy at, well, I still say Ayers Rock, but it's Uluru. Uluru. And, and, and just quickly for I our listeners, that. David Hahn is um, one of the core photographers for... ACP magazines at the time and Bauer Media continue. That's right. An absolute like we were we were partners in crime as I call it. But um, David yeah. and I worked on so many stories together. Yeah. But uh, with, with the Lindy story, what I loved about Lindy was the fact that she was just so full of grace, full of humour. Good humour, and her and her, her new husband Rick just meld together brilliantly, and it's a it, it's a true love story. Her and Rick together, she she deserved and needed a Rick in her life. Yeah, because Michael went off the rails, and um, the kids weren't looked after that well when when um, Lindy was in jail. Yeah, and so she had all that pressure on her. But the fact that she's come out the other end and not not expecting the world to owe her anything. She's just moved on with her life yep. and she takes Azaria with her yep. every step of the way. For me, as I was saying to you, having, I lost a sister when I was six. My sister was five and my brother was seven. Um, and we lost our sister. So to see that unfold on our televisions, I actually in a sense gave me comfort because I was like, there's another family that have lost a baby in their family, but not to cancer like us, to a dingo. And to watch their trauma and I'm thinking, wow, this is so hard for us to, to deal with. There was a lot of po uh, post effects of it and these guys are doing it on TV. How difficult. But let's... let's um... Well, that's, that's a very good point, Julian, because that was the other element. Mm. These people are humble, normal people. They are. Suddenly they're having to deal with media. <laughs> They've never had media training. They don't know how to, to react or, or answer questions, etc. Do you think Lindy's trained some of the media on how to, to be? I think she has. And I'd also pay a great tribute to her. She finally became under the management of Harry Ann Miller, yep. who's one of the Doyens of showbiz in Australia. Wow. He looked after Lindy so well. Fantastic. And he got her the respect that she should have demanded from the beginning. Yeah. But you have to remember, and we can't we can't deny what happened. She was pilloried, she was bullied, yep. she was held up as a witch, basically. Yep. All the while dealing with the loss of a beautiful daughter and you know, the, the, the stupid stories that were told at the time. I can't believe that we were so naive and ridiculous. 
Do you remember there was a black um, dress that she had made for Azaria? Yes. Well, that apparently that was to, to, to put Azaria in to kill her. And, uh. and all of a sudden, Azaria meant sacrifice in the wilderness, which it did not ever mean that. And even if it did, it had nothing to do with poor Azaria Chamberlain. That's right. The fact is, Azaria was put to sleep very cleanly, neatly in a tent with her brother, and a dingo happened to come in, and Lindy went straight away to the tent, and she found this dingo running off with her daughter, and she came straight out and said the famous words, a dingo's dropped my baby. Now, she had been with all those people around the barbecue area, and everyone testifies she was only gone for a second. So why the hell suddenly she becomes this killer who yeah. stabbed her daughter's death, and there's blood all throughout the car? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Why did we ever, ever believe such a lie? I didn't. I don't, well, most, don't think you did. <laughs> thankfully, a lot of us didn't, but that's yep. how it was portrayed. Yeah, for sure. It was just but meeting Lindy, though. I mean, yes. again, going back to what we're talking about. Yeah. How surreal is our job that someone who took up the world's headlines for quite some time, and there we are, asking with her at the place where it happened, yes. re- reliving the whole thing, the yeah. trauma, the hurt, but also the laughter. And that's what I loved about Lindy. She had, she has such a great sense of grace and humour. I mean, I even asked her, I said, Cindy, there's so many dingo jokes happening. And she said to me, Glenn, what can you do? If it's funny, you laugh. Yeah. You know? And that's her personal pain there, being held up for ridicule or often a good joke. Mm. She said she laughed at dingo jokes. Yeah. And I, I thought that was incredible. If they're funny. I do remember that conversation if they're funny yeah. and she'd only heard a few funny ones but do you remember the dinner we had with her we were under the stars oh. at, at Uluru and just I, I was thinking myself I mean I was with people who I genuinely love yeah and Lindy and her beautiful husband they'd become friends and yeah we just had a wonderful evening I and thought it wasn't I wasn't sat, steep in sadness. It was a celebration yeah. of Azaria. I think I sat next. I did sit next to Lindy at the dinner, and I think you were on the other side of me, or in front of me. I can't actually remember. But the reason why I remember Lindy next to me is because she was pouring sand in my um, red sand in my shoe, <laughs> and said, "Take that home. Take that home with you now, because it's going to be illegal in about three months. They're changing the law." So I kept it in my boot, and when I got home, I poured it into a jar. I still have a very special moment. But, you know, that that's the amazing thing. Like, we toured from, from, from the hotel room all the way through to the very spot where Azaria's body was, um, clothing was finally found because that man fell from the top of... Or, that's right. He yeah. fell from the top. A German tourist fell, and... They found that they didn't find Azaria's body, but they found the map made jacket that Lindy had always maintained that she was wearing. Yes. And which was debunked in the court system. <laughs> and there it was the map made jacket right where, uh, it, again, that's providence. I mean, who who would have thought a German backpacker falling from the rocks 
would finally allow Indy to be free. That's where I believe that the spirit world takes over. It, it, and ex- like we were, st- so I'll, I'll just paint a quick picture for you because this is quite a, a very vivid um, scene in my mind. If I ever speak about Lindy, we were getting, we had a tour guide and she was young and fairly new. And we were walking down the trail and she's giving us a um, little bit of a depiction of the area and the plants and where to go and where not to go. And I remember saying to us, you can't go on the right side of this trail because that's where a child was found and we can't, it's a sacred area now and we can't go in there. And Lindy said, are you, you mean Azaria, my baby, was found there? And the two guy looked at her. Oh, 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 yes. Hang on. And, um, and we were like, oh, wow. Well, we can See, I, I left that out of the story. That's, that, that's incredible. So, I, the, so they got a, a, a senior elder to come in and the elder walks down shaking her head going, no, 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 no. We call this Lindy's Rock, particularly this section here. Lindy has a right away to this space. And we got that exclusive uh, walk-in tour of the actual dens. Where... Yes, I remember that bit. Yes, definitely. But oh wow, that's all come back to me now. Gosh. Yeah, and um, that's where I'm. I, I feel blessed as a human. I feel like I've lived life from exactly that sort of experience. And I remember talking to my mum about going and doing this story with you, and I said, I think Lindy has to be my favourite person I've ever done hair and makeup on because I felt this overwhelming sense of connection and love for her and I, I hardly knew her um, but by the end of what over a couple of weeks we did those stories and flew up to Uluru. I well just... she she allowed you into her life I mean Blessed. she's very uh, selective she doesn't just mm. put anyone in yeah. and so she asked you personally so that that says it all to me it it's i'm i'm so grateful you remember though when we drove out um from Uluru and lindy and her beautiful husband rick Rick. stood there and they saluted us as we drove off i do recall i've got a photo of it but knowing that the story was in safe hands and um I just felt so honoured and privileged because there was one of the most intriguing stories in Australian history. Yeah. And we were given first-hand uh, entry into into that. I mean, yes. what a privilege. What yeah. a privilege to yeah. be able to just suddenly be plunged into other people's lives and tell their stories. Yeah. And I can and, and what I love, what I love is that we always worked as a team. It yeah. wasn't just a, some. I, I've, I've watched other journalists. They go in and it's about them. Yeah. No. The, the whole. Oh, this sounds wanky, and I should, probably shouldn't talk about this. But oh no, for me, it's great. For me, it's about first of all grace that you've been allowed to tell someone else's story. Yeah. But secondly, it's the team that you go in with, and with the, the mutual respect for that person whose story you're telling and the the importance of first of all they they feel comfortable 
and you and they know that you're not going to misquote them. And then they also pick up on the energy of the photographer, the hair and makeup artist, and the journalist all working cohesively together. That that to me is the magic. And if if you don't get that magic right, I don't think you get the full story. I don't think you get no. That and also connection. too, you you need to have a team of people with that big word that should be pounding from their hearts, and that's called empathy. Oh. Because I, I go back to a novel I read as a high school student, and I always refer to it, you never fully understood a man until you climbed inside their skin and walked around in it. That's from To Kill a Mockingbird. That is my personal motto. Wow. I love it. Empathy. We need so much more of it, Glenn, in this world. Um, you know, um, we've both seen a lot in our time and, and empathy really does help people move on and heal and feel connected and feel a part of a group. So such, Absolutely. such a great and word. Without it, without it, you're, you're telling a lifeless story. You need to have that, that emotion embedded in you before you even enter the room to tell someone else's story yeah. and um that that was the magic that we we created on on that team at woman's day we all knew each other's quirks we had a laugh we had lots of laughs but ultimately it was respect for the subject that we were talking to oh i mean what a great story a message to every man and woman out there to have a little bit more empathy when communicating with other people. If well, I've absolutely loved speaking to you and thank you for getting the, the message. That's okay. One thing I really did want to I've got to pay tribute to these two people because they're two iconic Australians and I did, see, did see them in, in, in um, Paper Giants, um, the second one, which was Magazine Wars. I didn't realise that. Michael Hutchinson, Kylie Minogue were such a hot story back in the day. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Let's talk about that. No, <laughs> they but... certainly. Well, hello. Kylie was slowly evolving, becoming a legitimate artist. Yeah. And there she was on the arm in arm with Michael Hutchinson. And Michael, who was a rock and roll god, and in excess were at the height of their powers. Yep. And they were both in their prime, both incredibly sexy. And suddenly Kylie cut her hair and was arm in arm with Michael Hutchins and, you know, hanging out together and suddenly full-on lovers. Wow. My strongest image of, of the outcome of that affair, unfortunately, is Kylie beautifully attired in Colette Dinigan as most people most women wore at the at the funeral. So grief stricken behind a black uh, I'm not a fashionista so I don't know how to describe it, but it was a gauze it was a, a black gauze um, veil coming oh, yes. over her head. Yes. And she was so in pain and clearly, clearly missing someone she dearly, dearly loved. And I, I just, I love the whole Michael, Kylie 
um, into full. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's. I, I really just wanted to end on something a bit colourful because they're two mm. such strong, iconic Australians that have this down-to-earth, beautiful way about them. And let's face it... Well, do you, do you, do you want me to, to direct wax lyrical about Kylie? I can if you, if do you want me to. But go for gold. Okay. Kylie remembers where she came from. She has no delusions of grandeur at all. And when she went to London and became a, a bit of a, a mockery, they called her the singing budgie, etc., with mm. Stock Aiken and Waterman, Kylie just stuck to her guns, delivered hit after hit after hit, and then suddenly, I think the arrival of Kylie came with confide in me. I mean, no one had expected such a song from her. It was a big, big ballad, very moody, and wasn't like pop at all. And it it struck a chord with everybody, not just the gay community. Kylie became ah, so... She was already loved. I mean, people loved her from neighbours. People had different categories for Kylie, but Kylie became a superstar with Confide in Me, and she went from strength to strength. And the magic of Kylie, and I've interviewed her in the 80s and now recently, she is just simply Kylie Minogue. Wow. No airs no and graces, no superstars, carry on. She's Kylie. And she remembers people, she asks, about people and yeah there's no no airs and graces I just adore the woman I have met her once and I, I if, if, if anyone if anybody gives off this sense of uh, grandeur artistry with this aura about them I have to say I was and it was it was such a sh- short meeting. There's two female artists I, I I felt that from, and that was Kylie Minogue and Olivia Newton-John. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Olivia remained Olivia right to the very end. I mean, I I just watched Grease the other day. Now that movie had such an impact on me as a youth, but I'd already been an Olivia Newton-John fan. I had all her records and. My biggest dream was meeting Olivia. Well, I've, I've thankfully met Olivia on several occasions, and she was always just Olivia. And that's Kylie as well. And the magic of Kylie is I, I remember interviewing her when she was on Neighbours quite a few times. And then as she evolved into this incredible superstar, she was still Kylie. Yeah. And that's and that's the magic, I think, between Olivia and Kylie. Yep. They just stay the same. I mean, look at Olivia. She is a superstar, right? Well, so is Kylie. But Olivia is known the worldwide. And yet, she maintains that lovely accent that she got when she grew up in Newcastle. Yeah. Never Nothing went away. Changed. Nothing yeah. changed. Nothing. Even in Greece. They, they had to rewrite the role, 
so Sandy came from Australia because Olivia had such a thick Australian accent. Ugh. Both of them absolute icons and well we I hope that we have Kylie for many more years but I'm actually greedy still for Olivia because mm. I adore her and her songs will go on thankfully. I adore her. I walked into a makeup room recently and she was seated in there and I thought do I leave or or do do I go and support my fellow makeup artists because they were really busy and Olivia was sitting there with a friend. And so I quickly walked back in. I thought, let's see what happens organically. Fixed a few things on my makeup um, counter. Sort of went to walk out and she said, and what was your name, young man? I haven't met you yet. And oh, bless her. it yes. just that's her. That's flowed. Her. We talked for half an hour and she was, oh, I was just trying to stay focused and not be starstruck as a professional in the business but um but, but that, that's what she attracted though because yeah. she'd never acted as a star she that's just right be- a beautiful kind wonderful lady yep melted my heart mate she was absolutely oh. beautiful mm. so there you go well i mean i'm so glad that we actually talked about them a little before we closed because you know they're three really special artists, Michael Hutchins, Kylie Minogue, and Olivia Newton-Johns, uh, Olivia Newton-John, not Johns, for um, Australia. They're such icons and beautiful souls. Thank you for sharing so many stories with me today, Glenn, and helping me come out about my UFO story. You didn't expect that. No, I didn't. <laughs> I've, I've enjoyed chatting to you, my dear friend. Thank you so much. Glenn... Williams, one of Australia's leading investigative journalists, and you must buy his book, A Haunting Place, or if that's not your thing, try The Amazing Structures, or both. Glenn, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, mate. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to our two-part episode with Mr. Glenn Williams for this series. I really enjoyed myself. It was great having Glenn on the other end of the phone. Just like real banter between us privately. I'd like to share it with you throughout the last couple of weeks. If you are enjoying our content, please subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to. Um, You can leave comments below. We will read your comments. They really do help. And also, please, if you are enjoying the content, share us on your social media pages. We'd be ever so grateful. Until then, we'll be back next week. Have a safe week, everyone. Bye-bye.